My name is Nathan Hirsch, founder of Outshore School. And if you want to learn how to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to More Than Corporate Podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Today I have an awesome interview with Nathan Harsh. He's 10 years into his entrepreneur journey, and he's an expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He started his first e-commerce business out of his college dorm room and has sold over $30 million online. He co-founded FreeUp.com with $5,000 in 2015, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted virtual assistants, freelancers, and agencies in e-commerce, digital marketing, and much more. With the help of his awesome remote team, he scaled it to a $12 million in revenue a year and was acquired in 2019. Now he's working on helping other entrepreneurs do the same with his new course, Outsource School. He regularly appears on leading podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire and speaks at live events about online hiring tactics. Nathan and I really dig into some cool topics on this episode, and I am so excited for you to hear about them. Really quickly before we do, if you are somebody who feels like something is missing from your life, if you or somebody that you know is stuck in this I'll be happy when moment trap, what I mean by that is you know, your life isn't quite what you want it to be right now, but you think if you keep working and keep moving towards whatever goal you're working on, that things are going to fall into place, that you'll be happy when. If that sounds like you or someone that you know, then the Define Your Life Mastermind is for you. The Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help people get clarity on exactly what their best life looks like. What does success mean to you? We talk about that so much on this podcast. So I want to make sure that the listeners are answering that for themselves as well. What does success mean to you? What does a well-rounded life look like? When we look at the life wheel, what does relationships mean to you? What does a good career look like to you? How does it feel when you have the relationship with money or spirituality or health that you've always wanted? So we get to dig into these answers, get the clarity on exactly what you want your life to look like, and then we get to build a business around the life that you want to have. Too many people live to work instead of working to live. And we want to make sure that we break that cycle. The last part of the Define Your Life Mastermind is surrounding you with people who are trying as well to live their best life, pushing you out of your comfort zone so that you can accomplish that vision that you just created as you defined what your perfect life looked like. The Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help you define what your best life looks like and have the courage to step out of your comfort zone to live your dreams. I am so excited to work with you. If this sounds like something that you are interested in or something that somebody that you know would benefit from, head over to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com. There's some information on the mastermind there and you can book a call so that we can jump on and see if we're a good fit to work together. I am super excited to hear from you, but without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Nathan. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. 
Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Let's go ahead and dig into the, I know that you had such an amazing story from creating your outsourced school that you have now, as well as, you know, working with VAs. Let's go ahead and go all the way back and see what your life was like in like high school age and what you thought your life was going to be like. Like, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? <laughs> when I was really little, I, I thought I was going to be a writer, which I'm a terrible writer. It's kind of funny now. My, my parents always joke about that. And uh, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't talented enough for that. And um, my parents were both teachers growing up. So I always grew up with the mentality that I was going to go to school, get a real job, work for 30 years and retire. And, and that's what they did right now. They're, there's nothing wrong with that. And they're traveling the world and living life. But I, I knew at a very young age that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, my parents made me work these summer jobs, winter jobs, every vacation uh, from the time I was 15, 16 on. And I learned a ton about sales and marketing and business, but I also learned how much I hated having a boss. <laughs> Top that off with, with just being a, a rebel in school. And I, I, I was always a good student if I cared about the subject like math and business. And if, if, it, if I didn't care about it like chemistry or bio, I just wouldn't try at all. And, and I think that drove my parents crazy a little bit. Yeah, those are powerful lessons to learn early on. Um, and I, that theme is what runs through so many entrepreneurs that I talk to is the idea of ever having a boss again is like ridiculously mind blowing. And like, I, no matter what happens, I could never go back to having a boss again. And it's funny because I was always good at negotiating like how much I would make. So my friends were all getting like minimum wage jobs, right? And, and somehow I negotiated my way to get this $12 an hour internship at Firestone. And, and back then, I mean, making 12 bucks an hour when you're not even 18 is, is unheard of. So people were definitely jealous of that. And, and I think my parents like looked at it as this big opportunity. I had it lined up. I had this job after college with them. And I remember telling them when I was like going to quit that internship when I was a end of freshman year or beginning of sophomore year in college that they, they were just like, no, like it's a terrible life decision. <laughs> Did they eventually come around and like support the entrepreneurial journey or no? Definitely. My parents are the most supportive. I can't say enough. And, and I think they, they were almost, uh, so their mentality was always to try lots of different things and see what you liked and what you didn't like. The, the only thing that I disagreed with that is they made me do a lot of things I didn't want to do longer than I wanted to do them. For example, playing the cello. I hated playing the cello. And I wish I could have dropped playing the cello in year one. I knew I was not, not going to enjoy doing that, but they made me do it for like five years. So my parents have always been supportive. I, I think they made it very clear to my sister and I that we are not allowed to move back in after college. So they don't care what we did as long as we didn't show up homeless on the doorstep. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I know that my mom was completely joking, but when I was um, in my early 20s, I went through a marriage and then a divorce. And I remember her telling me, I will support any decision you make in life. But if you think you're moving back in with me, you are out of your damn mind. So <laughs> you go out and live your life, but don't come back. <laughs> so when did, I know that you started and built this virtual assistant um, business originally called FreeUp. When did that idea of working with VAs come into your, into your world? How did that all start? 
Yeah. So I had this internship going to college. I went to Quinnipiac University in Connecticut and I actually got a degree there. I have a degree hanging up that I've never used. Um, but <laughs> freshman year, I started hustling. I started buying and selling people's textbooks and competing with my school bookstore. I thought they were ripping me off. It was pissing me off. So I was like, I can do this better. And I started selling to these online distributors, one of which was Amazon. And I created this referral program. Um, people, before I knew it, people were lined out outside my dorm room to sell me their books instead of the bookstore. And I actually got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. So <laughs> that was my first like, glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And my parents were teachers. I didn't want to get kicked out of college. That would not have gone over too well. So I pivoted and I stopped selling books and I thought it was so cool that I could have this Amazon storefront that, I mean, this was 2008, 2009. No one knew what Amazon was back then. Like I, that just the fact that I could run a business 24 seven online and get direct deposits to my bank account and, and all that, that was all new. So I just had to figure out what products to sell. And I did a ton of trial and error, video games, computers, sporting equipment, just typical college guy stuff. And I just failed over and over and over. So finally, I branched out of my comfort zone and I came across this deal on baby products. And I listed some baby products and I made a bunch of money and I listed more and I made more money. And before I knew it, I'm selling hundreds of thousands, eventually millions of dollars of baby products on Amazon out of my college dorm room, drop shipping from US suppliers. And my, my life gets pretty crazy. I'm, I'm balancing fraternity life, college, school, girlfriend, all that. And and, and working, running this business that's really blown up. And so I start hiring college kids and that is a complete disaster. They're unreliable. <laughs> They're, I have to knock on their door to, to get them to show up. They're smoking weed and drinking on the job. And I, I made one amazing hire. Um, my business partner, Connor, who's been working with me to this day, um, he, he was a partner in FreeUp. He's a partner in Outsource School now. But we quickly realized that we couldn't hire college kids if we wanted to scale this business. And we couldn't, um, like no one in the real world took us seriously as 20 year old Amazon sellers. So we started to pivot into the remote hiring world, the Upworks, the Fivers, and that's when we really got into hiring VAs. One of my first hires was this lady, Chicky Ann, who I'm actually the godfather of one of her kids now. We've, we've been working together for, for, for years. And she really taught me the ropes about hiring from the Philippines. And eventually I just got sick of the Upworks and the Fivers and, and how long it took to post a job and get a hundred applicants. And, and that's when I came up with the idea of building my own platform. And so I know that you built out this, this free up and this platform from the very beginning, which is so cool. What was it that made your platform so much different than anybody else's? So we really tried to take everything that we liked about the Upworks and the Fivers and, and leave it and change everything that we didn't like. So it was focused around four things, pre-vetting. So we wouldn't just let anyone on the platform. You would have to apply. It was a rigorous vetting process. One out of every hundred applicants got on. And eventually we were getting thousands of applicants every week, VAs, freelancers, agencies from all over the world, top 1% got on the platform. Next is matching from the, the client side. They don't need to get 50 applicants and go through them. We met, they put in a request. We match it up from the freelancer side. They don't have to compete with 50 people on every project. If they're good, they get matched up and they're good to go. On the back end, 24-7 support on both sides in case they have even the smallest issue and a no turnover protection. If someone quits for any reason, we cover replacement costs and get them a new person right away. So those are the four things that, that really made us stand out. And I think that those are some of the most important things because most of the people that are going to be hiring virtual assistants are 
um, either business owners or starting an entrepreneurial journey. While I would say that it's not impossible, most individuals aren't going to hire a VA to like run their finances, right? So we're talking in the business right. world. Um, and those things that you just mentioned are so important, knowing that there's some security because you can go on Fiverr and you can hire somebody to do something, but what reassurance do you have that you're actually going to get a product? And so I think that that's so valuable. Definitely. I mean, I, turnover just crushes small businesses, whether it's someone that quits in the middle of a project that you really need or, or a VA you spent three weeks training and two months in, they, they disappear. And yeah, I mean, we had their people's emergency contact information on file. We had their IDs. Like we made sure that, that we really protected our clients. That's amazing. So at some point in time, you grow this business from the ground up to this thriving business, and then you end up selling it. What was the basis for wanting to, to, um, to sell that and move on? Yeah, so we didn't go, we sold in 2019, end of 2019. We didn't go into the years thinking, oh my God, by the end of this year, we need to unload this business. Um, one of our clients actually reached out to us. He had been a customer for a year. He said, hey, we love free up. We, we want to get into the VA, the freelancer space. We, we don't want to build it from scratch. Uh, would you guys be interested in being acquired? And, and we heard them out. They asked a lot of questions. They ended up making us an offer that we felt like was more than fair, if not aggressive. And, and then we said, hey, if we're going to actually sell this thing, we need to do a lot of due diligence on them. We don't want to sell to someone who's going to drive it into the ground. We don't want to sell to someone who's going to hurt our relationships, our partnerships, our, the clients, the freelancers. And we want someone who's going to take really good care of our internal team. We have 35 VAs who we really like, who by far that was the hardest part of leaving free up. So we were only going to do this if we thought it was going to be a win-win-win for everyone. So they did a ton of due diligence on us. We did a lot on them. We got to learn about their other acquisitions and experience growing companies and their office is like an hour and a half from me. So how they treat people, we got to go to their office and, and eventually we decided to, to make sure that our internal team's jobs were secure. So that was part of it. And we took $500,000 from the sale and, and gave it to our team in the Philippines to, to make sure they were taken care of. And, and then we made the decision to sell and we really looked at it as a very tough to turn down something that seems like a win-win-win for everyone. Yeah. And I think that there's a huge powerful lesson there because so many times we're so focused on the direction that we're going that an opportunity like that comes into our minds. The opportunity presents itself to us and we don't even see it because we're stuck in this, like, this is my business, I'm growing it. So to be able to have that opportunity come to you and have the awareness to vet it and take advantage of it is, is I think a huge lesson for everybody out there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think there's a, a certain thing that people don't think about afterwards. I mean, we now have a great relationship with the new owners where we're, we're partnered with them with our new venture outsource school. We are checking in on our internal team. We want to make sure that they're happy, that they like the new owners. Obviously, they miss us to some level, but hopefully we set them up to be successful with the payment, with their steady jobs and, and with the, these new people who are going to take free up to even the next level. So I, I, not just hey, we sold the business, talk to you guys later, making sure that things continue to go smoothly. Yeah, that's, that's super powerful, especially when it's your baby that you built from the ground up, right? Like this isn't something that you invested in and then you had this passive relationship with while it grew. Like you built this thing with your, I'm sure, sweat and tears and, and stress, so... Kind of like sending your kid to college. Someone said that to me and I was like, you're right. You're like, you build it up, they, they go to college and then they, they, you're kind of like watching them grow up afterwards. It's very weird. 
That's crazy. I've never heard that analogy before, but it makes total sense to me. So outsource school, obviously this world of VAs is something that so many people don't know enough about. And I'm going to put myself in that category um, because we all think the traditional route of you have to have the money to hire somebody. Now, as a um, business owner, that can be really, really expensive. So you created outsource school to kind of help people understand how to properly use VAs. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So we're going through the transition with, with free up a 90 day transition. And, and the first week we're working 40 hours. The second week they need us a little bit less and a little bit less after that. So Connor and I, uh, Connor, my business partner, we start talking about what we want to do next. I, first of all, have we, have we driven each other crazy for the past four years or do we want to continue to work together? And, and fortunate for me, he still wanted to work with me and vice versa. So I think that was the first step. And from there, we start talking about what we want to do next. Do we want to go into real estate? Do we want to stay in the VA space? Do we want to go to try something else, take a year off? What is that? And, and so during that time, people started reaching out to us saying, hey, can you teach us how you did it? Because this eight-figure business of FreeUp was run by 35 VAs in the Philippines. No office, no U.S. employees. Um, and we had real systems and processes of how we did every little thing. So we decided to invest 60 days in launching this course called Cracking the VA Code. And it's a really in-depth course teaching you how to interview, onboard, train, and manage VAs, the exact processes that we do. And our mentality was, we launched this course. If people like it, great. We'll build it into a business. If people hate it, we're just going to refund them and move on to something else. So people fortunately like the course. And we started coming up with new ideas. Like I get on a lot of podcasts. So we, how do we use VAs to get on podcasts and how do we use VAs for lead generation and bookkeeping? And so we start launching these mini courses on things we actually do with VAs and we set it up to be a membership. So if you buy cracking the VA code, our main course, you get a one-year membership and you get access to all our other courses included in that. You can also buy the, the other courses separately if you prefer that. But we, we really want to create this community where you, we can continue to teach people on VAs. We can bring in experts that know how to do things with VAs that we don't know how to do to teach different workshops and their support along the way. So if you read our site or watch our section on management and you're struggling to manage your VAs, we're there to help you. So that's really what we're creating with Outsource School. And the flip side of that is the same developer that built the FreeUp platform is working on this really cool SOP building software that we're going to be launching. And we want to build out a bunch of VA software to, to complement the education and make it better for everyone. So that's a long-term vision. We're about 60 to 90 days in, and I'm excited to see what tweaks we make going forward. That's amazing. And I love that you just mentioned the SOP because I know that so many people fall into the, the trap, whether it's a VA or whether you're hiring an assistant to be physically in your office, they fall in the trap of thinking, I'm going to hire this person and they're just going to help me get this done. And when you don't have any internal procedures on how to do that, you can't ask somebody else to do it for you. So those SOPs are so important. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that helped us is during the due diligence, the buyer's asking, how do you do customer service? How do you do billing? How do you do social media? And we had 30, 40, 50 page SOPs that we could show them five minutes after they asked the question that laid out everything and who does what. And I mean, the important thing to remember is we, Connor and I, we have all these teams, 35 VAs. We're not constantly updating the SOPs. We make the SOP, we teach a VA to do it, and we give them ownership of the SOP so they keep it up to date going forward. And that was a big part of the sale. It's a big thing that I preach. And it's something that it's never too late to start doing it and to impact and put it in your business. 
but you should be doing it from day one with outdoor school. I mean, we, again, we don't have the goal to sell it, but we're building it to sell from day one with systems, with processes and the mentality that every time you add something to your plate, which we all do, we add lots of stuff to our plate. We turn into a system, we turn into a process, and then we delegate it to someone else with an SOP. And, and that's the mindset of scaling your business. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's such an important shift from the business owner term to an entrepreneur term. Like we talk about this all the time. What's the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur? And I feel like that business owner is that person that's tied to their business. You know, their name's on it. Nobody else can take over. And the entrepreneur is somebody that's kind of let that ego go. I think there's a lot of ego in that in the beginning where you're like, this is my baby. I don't want to let anybody else touch it. And you have to let that go to scale. And I think for me, especially, that's been one of the hardest mindset things to get over is like, I have to do this. Um, What advice do you have for people that are in that spot where they're trying to go from business owner to entrepreneur using VAs? What, What advice do you have on getting started? Yeah. So keep in mind, I had 35 VAs. I didn't just wake up one day and hire 35 VAs. It's a step-by-step process. And you start off by how do you relocate hours in your week? How do you get two hours a day back, five hours a week back, whatever that number is, and create a list of things you do every single day, prioritize it from easiest to hardest and create a system for it and delegate that task. And I mean, I have a VA now that's 10 hours a week, 7am to 9am every day, Monday to Friday, And she just clears my inbox every day. She schedules my podcast. She schedules my meetings, gives me a head start to every day. You don't have to hire everyone full-time. You can hire people part-time project-based. I have a bookkeeper who's five hours a month, not even five hours a week, five hours a month. And she just keeps me up to date on my books from day one. I'm I'm better. I know my numbers better. I can make more informed decisions. So small tweaks like that are the starting point. And as you get better at it, as you get, as it becomes more addicting, if you're an outsource school, as we, we teach you, then you can increase the hours. You can add a second person. You can make those changes and increase it and build it up over time. But you got to be able to take those hours that you're doing the repetitive steps and move those hours into sales, expansion, marketing. Or if you're someone that's going crazy working 100 hours a week, get your hours back so you can spend more time with your family, your kids, have a life, have that balance, which is going to rejuvenate you to spend more time scaling your business. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say throughout the years that you've been involved in this VA world, what would you say is the biggest misconception that you hear from people related to using virtual assistants? Oh, man. I mean, I think everyone's always concerned about security. And my risk on that is like hiring's risky, but being an entrepreneur is risky. There's nothing I can do to, to make that risk zero. But the risk is so much smaller than people think. The average VA, whether it's caring about staying on free up because it's hard to get in and, and they don't want to get kicked off and lose their clients or just care about having a job with you and providing for their family, they care so much more about that than they do about stealing your job, stealing your business. And entrepreneurs are so focused on like what like what if this person steals some hours from me or like overbills me when they, they don't realize that that's such like a small thing. You're going to notice it. You're going to figure it out. You're going to fire them or you're going to get someone else. But the average VA you're, is going to want to create that win-win long-term. So you can do things to protect your business like last pass, but the real way to protect your business is build relationships with people that you work with, build relationships with the VAs, have open, have honest conversations, how you treat VAs during tough times, like during this COVID crisis, are you communicating at a high level? Do you have their back? Are you checking in with them? That stuff matters. I think 
The other misconception is that you, you're the only person in your business that can do whatever it is that you think you're the best at. And Alex Sharpin, who is a good free up partner, he had a great line. He said, if you think you're the only person in your business that can do what you do, I have news for you. You're not that special. And it's so true. Like whatever you do, whether it's customer service, PPC content, there, you can systemize it. You can hire someone that can not only do it as good as you can, but better than you. And, and that's the truth across the, across the board. That's so important to realize because I think that as, as business owners, again, like we feel like we're irreplaceable. And so to know that, and, and it's so powerful once you actually take that step and give a little bit of that control over or how amazing it feels to be able to actually have that free time to focus on other things. None of us got into this entrepreneurial journey to work our asses off and not enjoy life. So like, you know, take advantage of the resources you can to do that. Right. Completely agree. So as far as um, the security aspect, I wanted to comment on that for just a minute because I think that you're right where you talk about the fact that there's always this security issue. And that happens when you hire somebody to come in. That happens with a virtual assistant. Like there's always those things. But I could imagine that what you teach in outsource school revolving around interviewing and finding the right fit is designed to ease a lot of those security concerns. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can go to free up and get an awesome VA, an awesome freelancer, whatever it is. But if you don't know what to do after the fact, it only does so much good. And, and everything we teach you in the course is real stuff that, that we actually do, stuff that we know works and stuff that you can apply and tweak to your own business along with cheat sheets of our exact interview process and our management strategy, how we run meetings, how we motivate people, how we fire someone if there is an issue and stuff like that is how you protect your business. For example, I had um, this, this friend of mine, um, he, was, he has this community and I was talking to him and he's like, he put me in touch with his VA to schedule something. Well, I actually knew that VA from like years ago. We had a, an issue and it wasn't the end of the world, but I knew that she could not be trusted. She was not a good VA. And I said, hey, how long have you been working with this VA? It wasn't very long. I was like, listen, man, like just let, let go of her. I'll get, I'll, even though I have nothing to do with free up, I'll get you some credit. I'll refer someone just like, trust me, don't work with this person. And, and he let her go. But before he let her go, he didn't remove any of her access to anything. Oh, no. And so she started blowing up on the Slack channel. And I was like, listen, man, like, like, first of all, let's just take care of this. And I helped him take care of it. And I just sent him our section on firing VAs and like the right process because it's going to happen. It's not the end of the world. Even though she blew up on Slack, still not the end of the world, but there's a certain method and process to go through so that you don't have to put up with that. And so that it's clean and quick and you can move on with the, the more fun stuff of being a business owner, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it sounds like your outsource school has step-by-step -step guidelines that makes getting through this VA process so much easier. So you're teaching people how to work with VAs, but you're also giving them resources and SOPs to get them through that process as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, step-by-step. -step. And there's even parts for you to just give to your VA. Like we have the podcast outreach formula. For those of you listening that want to go on podcast, there's a part of the course that you just give to your VA. They watch the video. They know how to do it. Saves you setting up a training section session with them. Um, and the whole goal is to, to make it very easy and simple. We don't want you to spend 200 hours going through courses, but there's certain things that, that you should know the basics of. You don't have to master everything, but you do have to master how to hire for different things. And hiring a podcast 
VA is a lot different than hiring a bookkeeping VA. There's different things to look for, different setup that you should be aware of. And then the training that we have, you can actually give to your VA or give to other people on your team, whoever your integrator is to help take your business to the next level. That's amazing. So for those people that are listening that want to check out Outsource School um, or see where they can get more resources from you on VAs and moving forward with that, where's the best place for them to find that? Yeah. So just go to outsourceschool.com. We have three really cool, actually four really cool free things. We have a, a hotkeys sheet that you can give to your VA if you already have one. And they, they spend an hour studying this sheet. They're going to become 15 to 20% faster. So super easy. We have a VA calculator that you can use to figure out how many VAs you can afford right now and the exact hires we made each year. So you can see the organization chart and how it develops. And we have this free productivity course that you can take in under an hour that'll help you add some free tools to your arsenal to, to make your day more productive and better. And you can check out Cracking the VA Code in our membership. And the last thing is I'm pretty easy to contact. So Nathan Hirsch on Facebook or LinkedIn, Real Nate Hirsch on Instagram or Twitter. If I can help you with any VA questions, outsource rule questions, or anything that has nothing to do with VAs, I love just networking and talking to other entrepreneurs. That's awesome. Well, we'll definitely send some people over for that. And I know that I'm going to be checking out the Outsource School and VAs. It's a world that I've never dug into. Like I said, I've always been the traditional, but well, before I started my job, I was the traditional, you work for somebody and then you retire. That's how I was raised. And then when I started my business, I had flipped that just to me being the higher, the, the higher person. So I would hire somebody and bring them in my office and they would work for me. And this idea of having this virtual team is something that's very new to me. And I'm excited to learn more about that. Yeah, I would love to have you. And and I think it can add value to a lot of people. Yeah, I definitely agree. So let's go ahead and shift gears for just a little bit. So this podcast was born out of this idea that too many times we don't focus on what success means to us individually and take the time to figure out what mountains we actually want to be climbing. So I ask every single guest this question to kind of get this conversation started. What does success mean to you? How do you define that personally in your life? For me, and this is just me personally, it's just being able to do whatever you want when you want it, whether it's spending time with family, people that you care about, whether it's being able to travel outside of the whole uh, COVID thing, um, whether it's working on stuff that you actually enjoy day in and day out. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, why aren't you just like sitting at a beach? And and like, for me, I like building, I like building businesses. And yeah, my lifestyle has changed drastically since I sold free up. It's a lot more chill and relaxed, but I want to be spending my time doing things that I like doing whatever that is, whether it's baseball or knitting or whatever hobbies that the listeners are listening to, make sure that you put yourself, you set yourself up to do what you want to do when you want to do it. I I think that that's a powerful message because you're the second person in two weeks that has made the beach analogy. And I think that that just shows how widespread that is that people think entrepreneurs just sit on the beach and sip Mai Tais all day long. Um, And that's just not the way life works. Um, If that's what you want to be doing, that's great, but you have to build your life up to be able to get there. Um, I think that What I see in the entrepreneurial world is people so passionate about what they're doing that they couldn't imagine doing anything else. And they just put all of their time into that because that's what makes them satisfied, which I think is so amazing to find that. Right. I completely agree. 
Um, so as a follow-up to that, um, one of the things that I think is under discovered as far as the conversation is concerned is the relationship between success and fulfillment. I feel like those terms are sometimes used interchangeably for you. How are they related? Um, does success come first followed by fulfillment or do you have to be fulfilled to feel successful or to you, are they completely unrelated? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure I have a great answer. I mean, the the closest thing to it is my parents growing up were were teachers and I got to go to the town next to me school system because my dad was a teacher there and they had a better school system. Well, everyone in that school system, their parents were doctors, lawyers, dentists, business owners. So growing up, I wasn't poor. I was middle class, but my friends had everything, every video game, nice car, nice houses, all that. So growing up, like I wanted money. I, I wanted to be that. I wanted to be able to buy the video games that I couldn't have when I was little. So being an entrepreneur for the first few years, success like meant money. And I feel like I'm not the only one there. A lot of entrepreneurs, that's their first instinct. And then you make a little bit of money and you realize how unfulfilling it is if you're not doing something you're passionate about. I was selling baby products on Amazon. Wasn't passionate about baby products back then. Still not passionate about baby <laughs> products now. And so that got old, even though I was having success in the financial terms. So I think moving to a B2B a free up where we're helping clients, we're paying out millions of dollars to VAs and freelancers, and people are showing me their houses and their cars and the way that they're able to provide for their family. And now with Outsource School, like we're, we're donating a percentage of all sales to our favorite charity, Teach for the Philippines, which provides education to Filipino children. To me, success is about getting to the top, not by yourself, but with other people and helping other people get to the top with you. And I think that's what gets missed a lot when everyone's focused on, on adding money to their bank account. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. So you've mentioned it a couple of times throughout this conversation um, in relation to having to get out of your comfort zone to step into that baby product um, world. Um, obviously, as a college student, a college um, male in a fraternity and living that lifestyle, you know, baby products wasn't something that you were in touch with every single day of your life. Um, and I think that this is just a perfect example of how much great things happen when you step out of your comfort zone. I'm sure that in the entrepreneurial world, especially with what you're doing now, that you find ways to push yourself out constantly. What do you do to make sure that you're constantly challenging yourself? So I, I'm a big proponent of just getting rejected constantly, not on purpose, but I put myself out there. I try to get on podcasts. I try to network with high-level entrepreneurs. I try to... to, to find partnerships. And I'm not really a hard seller, but there's a certain element of sales in any business. So it, I, I get rejected every single day, every single week. And it's a mentality that you don't let that stop you. I've had podcasts that took me three years to get on and I didn't get angry. I didn't get aggressive. I didn't get frustrated. I didn't take it out on the host. How dare you not have me on your podcast? Like that's crazy. You, you understand people are busy. You understand it's not the right fit. You understand that a lot of it's on you and how you put your message across and you keep tweaking, you keep following up in different ways, getting creative, showing people how you can add value. And for me, that's getting outside your comfort zone. And one of the things that, that I teach in the, the podcast outreach formula is how to just network because you can pitch podcasts. That's part of it. But networking, like you and I talking ahead of time, just let, it leads to opportunities. So and there's a right way and the wrong way to network. So I posted a screenshot of me reaching out like I do every single morning to three new entrepreneurs, seeing if they'll hop on a networking call with me. And I'm not trying to pitch them. I'm not trying to sell them. I just want to hear their story, see how I can help them, see, tell them a little bit about me. And sometimes there's ways to work together and partner. Sometimes it's just great meeting other people in the space and showing people that you can do that to build relationships little by little. And you wake up 
four years later in my case, and I didn't have any network in Amazon. It was very secluded, very secretly. And four years later, I have a very large network that, that continues to grow. So I think small things like that, that are not comfortable to, to the average person reap the big benefits if you're doing small actionable steps consistently. Yeah, I definitely agree. And there's a couple of really powerhouse things that you just talked about that I want to touch on. First of all, is this networking thing. And um, everybody has this idea that networking has to look like something specific. And I definitely thought it did. So, you know, I'm in a networking group here in Las Vegas that's very structured. And that's amazing because I get to build those relationships. But networking is also that conversation that you have with somebody on Facebook or that Zoom call that you get to have with somebody across the country or the telephone call that you get to jump on or the drink you have at a bar. And it's so crazy that we don't necessarily consider those things networking and the opportunities that we lose when we don't. Right. Exactly. I, I can't tell you how many networking calls, like the, the person I was talking to right before this, and he, he couldn't really help me in any way, but I gave him a list of podcasts I had been on that I knew were in his space. And hopefully that helps him in some way. And maybe it doesn't help me in any way going forward. Maybe he goes out and tells one person about outsource school and that leads to something else. Like you, you never know, but continuing to network and helping other people and giving value, um, it just over time leads to a lot of really cool things. Yeah, definitely. That value add is a huge part of it. And, um, I, I was talking to, I think it was Steve Sims. I was talking to Steve Sims a little while ago and we were talking about how we're so conditioned right now as, as humans to think, what does this person want from me? And when you kind of eliminate that and you um, make it clear that you just want to connect and you just want to see how you can add value to somebody's life, then all of a sudden guards come down. But for those first couple minutes of the conversation, it's like both of the people are thinking, okay, why, why is this person talking to me? What do they want from me? Yeah, to totally agree. I mean, how many LinkedIn pitches do you get a day? <laughs> like oh, yeah. stuff like that is just like a, a major turnoff. And, and that's why I kind of make it clear. It's like, there's, there's no selling involved in networking calls whatsoever. Yeah. The second you add a sales component, everything falls apart. Yeah. And you can't just throw it in at the end and hope they don't notice because I promise right. they will. Um, and speaking about LinkedIn messages, if I can just say this really quickly and hope that everybody takes a second to listen to this. Um, LinkedIn messages, Facebook messages, emails, for God's sake, make sure you have the right name on those if you're going to pitch someone. Like, <laughs> if I get another LinkedIn message that calls me like Michael or John, like, I'm going to scream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, like, we see so many of those go out, and you already know in the beginning that they're bulk emails that are going out, but like, change the name, hire a good VA to make sure they do that for you, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to touch on that I think is so powerful that you talked about was getting told no. I feel like so many times are afraid, so many people are afraid of the word no. And the idea of like making that almost a challenge for yourself, who can I reach out to that might tell me no? Like what, 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 cause if you're not getting told no, you're staying so far within your circle. Like you should be getting ignored and told no, and this isn't the right time because eventually it will be. And so for you, was it just like personality what trait was I'm good to go? Like, let's just put myself out there. Or were there steps that you started with to psych yourself up to be able to reach out to that first big name person? I think I'd gotten numb to caring what people think about like a year into selling baby products on Amazon whenever, <laughs> when everyone thought I was crazy and no one knew what Amazon was. So they thought I was running like a Ponzi scheme. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's part of that. I think there's part of it is 
maybe some self-confidence, whether it's deserved or not deserved. And it, it just, just the thing that like most entrepreneurs are nice. Most entrepreneurs like aren't going to lash out at you and, and like say, how dare you if you do it properly. And the ones that did lash out at me early on, I probably deserved it. I probably pitched them a little or said something that was not appropriate or whatever it was. And you learn from those and you tweak it over time and you reach out to them, them again a year later from a different channel and they don't even remember who you are. So I, I think there's a, a lot of elements there. Yeah. And one of the most powerful things that I ever heard was no, never actually means no. It means that you either have the wrong message or the wrong time, but it's not no. Um, I think we've talked about so many amazing things over the last little bit, and I'm super excited to get this out and let people learn more about VAs because I really think it's an untapped into resource that can help people really blow up their businesses. Yeah, we're, we're excited for it. And, and I mean, we're, we're building our next business with VAs, just like we built free up with VAs, just like we built our Amazon business with VAs. So everything we teach, we actually do ourselves. Yeah, I love it. Before we wrap up, I would love to actually do a quick random round, let everybody kind of get to know you, get inside Nathan's head for just a minute. Are you good with that? Let's do it. All right. What profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Oh man, I wish I could play professional baseball. I'm actually dying a little bit inside every day because the baseball season's canceled because of COVID. I just bought a baseball video game. Like baseball's my way and I play softball. I play in a baseball league. Like baseball, for whatever reason, it's the perfect excuse to turn off your phone, turn off your computer and, and just get out there and enjoy some fresh air and competition. Yeah, you know, I, I share that. I have season tickets to our AAA team here and I know that they're just trying to make sure they stay relevant, but they're sending us like weekly emails with like, um, highlights from 2019. And I'm like, I need you to stop reminding me what I'm missing. Like, this is not okay. Um, I feel you on the baseball thing, man. I'm going nuts. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? Oh man. I mean, I, I think we, minus like COVID, I think we live in a, in a pretty incredible time. I can't imagine like living without technology. I don't even know what I do. I mean, I think like the seventies the and all that would be fun, but I mean, they, they had their own ups and downs. So I, <laughs> I'm pretty content with the, the era that I live in right now. Dude, that's the best answer ever. And you know, I've done 45, 50 interviews at this point in time. And you're the first person that's ever said, I don't want to go anywhere. And I love <laughs> that mentality so much books do you like to listen to them or do you need to read them physically um i read them more than i listen to them love it what about recommendations what book have you recommended the most to people this book I read last month, uh, Hatching Twitter. It, I, so I have a really great relationship with my business partner and everyone thinks of Twitter as like this great company that's done great things. But in the back end, it was a group of people that used to be friends that started stabbing each other in the back and it <laughs> became a power play. Super interesting and fascinating. And, and yeah, I definitely recommend it for people that want a really cool backstory of how a business that went from nothing to public and everything that went on in the background. Perfect. What quality or skill or personality trait do you think has been most helpful to you throughout your life? Small, just consistent actions, like every single day. For example, even outside of business, and we already talked about like networking and all that, like I, my fiance is Vietnamese. I decided six months ago, I want to learn Vietnamese. Every day for 15 to 20 minutes, I learn Vietnamese six or seven days a week. Small, consistent, over time, you get better at stuff. Same thing, whether it's sports, whether it's work, whether it's a new habit you want to pick up. You don't have to study eight hours a day to become the next Facebook ad expert. You can do small things consistently every single day to get to where you want to go. 
Such a powerful statement. People need to really take note of that because I think we all do fall into that thing where we feel like we have to dedicate an hour and a half of our time to something and then we don't have an hour and a half of time and so it never gets done. So I think that's super powerful. Um, I'm a music nerd, so I always have to ask this question. What is your pump up song right now? What motivates you, kind of gets you moving in the mornings? <laughs> I've been listening to Final Countdown for like recently, just a, a classic. I, I don't know why. It's like, I don't know if it's like a sports thing or, or just like something to, to motivate me because I feel like everything's very much the same now. So you yes. get out of that funk. I, and I feel like hopefully that's like an anthem for this COVID thing, like this final countdown idea, uh, because <laughs> I'm so ready to go back to like playing outside and having friends again. So right. um, I love it, man. I think that this has been completely fantastic and so valuable for the people listening. One more time for everybody who's listening, where's the best place for them to contact you? Uh, yeah, I, I'm very easy to contact Nathan at OutsourceSchool.com, Nathan Hirsch, Facebook, LinkedIn, Real Nate Hirsch, Instagram, Twitter, and definitely check out OutsourceSchool.com. We got a lot of stuff coming up that I'm really excited about. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.